Welcome to Shift, a college admissions ACT and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that includes everything you need to ace your ACT test. A full textbook, tons of ACT questions backed by our memory enhancing algorithm, a built-in study planner, and plenty of full-length practice exams. You can get a free trial by visiting achievable.me, and if you like it, use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, we have Travis Miner from Open Door Education with us. And uh, Travis, if you could just introduce yourself and your company real quick, that would be great. Absolutely. Thank you, Tyler. My name is Travis Miner, and I own Open Door Education. We're a small tutoring, test preparation, and organizational coaching firm based in Acton, Massachusetts. We've been business now for a little over a decade, and we work with many students in person at our office in Acton, Massachusetts, but we also work with students remotely all over the world. Yeah, fantastic. And so today we get the five core principles for effective preparation for the ACT or SAT. And I'm really excited for this because I feel like these are basically just good principles for uh, any test taking or any test preparation. Um, but I, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to talking through this one with you. So take it from the top. What is sort of what's principle number one, or is there kind of like a prelude that you want to uh, talk about first? Sure, we can we can dive right in. I guess the only prelude would be that uh, I I hope that these are good tips for preparation for just about anything a person might might want to try to learn. Um, and the first is use quality materials um, mm-hmm. and. I think this is especially applicable to tests. We live in a world where there are a lot of third-party tests, and these can be great practice tests. It's not a knock on them. Um, in fact, sometimes they're more difficult than the actual test. That could be great practice. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to identify where am I score-wise on this test, what exact types of questions or concepts are things I'm going to see on test day and I'm having difficulty with them, you're going to want to use the real deal. So for the ACT, there are a, a multitude of released official ACTs. The more recent, the mm-hmm. better. Those are fantastic to practice with. The same goes for the SAT right now, although with the digital SAT coming, we are going to be in um, a, a little bit of the Wild West in terms of test content. I think that the same principle still holds true, that there are going to be released tests from College Board that are the, mm-hmm. the gold standard for practice. And there will be reputable third-party tests that will provide good additional resources for students, especially until we actually know more about this test and it's been administered a few time, times, at which point we'll see that the quality of the content for it will will probably improve quite dramatically. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that that's super important. I actually... Um... Just like this isn't meant to be an achievable plug, but it's part of the reason why we actually have both. We have our own third party tests that we wrote, but then we also have bubble sheets for old ACT tests. And I think we have over 10 of those. So it's it's important to get both, but obviously, you know, the closer you are to the source of truth, the better. And in this case, the source of truth is going to be whoever made either the ACT or the SAT. It's and it's it's also it's worth noting these are moving targets i it would be nice if the act was this static test and a test from 2006 looked the same as a test from 2016 and 2023 but the reality is it's it's shifting and there's 
uh, some interesting analysis that's been done on what sort of questions are most prevalent, especially as like, like the last 10 math questions that end up being most important for so many students and other shifts. Mm -hmm. um, we, we hadn't seen semicolons used to separate items in a list until recently. Now that's a thing that semicolons can do on the ACT. So uh, it goes to show the quality materials that are out there are great and worth using. And there's also an element of being ready for just about anything we might encounter because there can and will be surprises. Yeah. And I would also say just as one last sort of word on this is um, it's definitely important either to get a online course that you feel like is being updated regularly, right? Just like go look at the companies like social media and things like that to kind of get a sense for like how active they are. Um, but then also uh, not, you know, you might think you're saving money by like using your friend's old book from three years ago. But you're really better off if you're going to buy a book. I, I'm really an online course proponent. Like, yes, I am the CEO of an online course company, but it, there's a lot of advantages to them. But if you want a book, definitely get an up-to-date book. Don't don't use an old book because that will probably uh, throw you off. And, you know, if it might not be a massive difference in score, but you couldn't be missing like, you know, three to five points on the ACT, for instance, if you're using old material. And that's not great. Absolutely. This is not a place to skimp on quality when it comes to the materials you use. Yeah. So then what's uh, what's effective tip number two? So this this is a one that I think is is pretty widely applicable. Uh, practice what's difficult. Um, so right now I'm I'm learning to play the bass. I'm not very good yet. Um, and it's really easy to fall into a rhythm where like there's a couple songs I can play pretty well. I just keep playing them again and again. It feels good. And it's fun, but I'm not making any progress. It's, it's the stuff that mm -hmm. is, um, that's hard. That's frustrating. That I need to slow down and try again and again. That's where progress can really happen. And the same goes for a student preparing for the SAT or ACT. Um, there are certain question types or sections that a student might know. I'm pretty good at this. I'm pretty comfortable with this. And so there's sort of a magnetic pull to practice more of that. It feels good to get those questions right, to know that you know those concepts. But really, we need to identify what are the questions I'm avoiding? What are the things that I'm not trying because I know it's frustrating? I know it's challenging. I know mm -hmm. I'm outside of my comfort zone. And that is precisely where we need to spend our time and energy. Um, right. I mean, that's like half the reason people either buy a course or buy tutors is because the course and or tutors forces you to do the things you don't want to do, right? Like at the end of the day, it's a very common trap, especially for high school students, because they are, if they're self-directed, they might be more likely to gravitate towards sort of those easier things that they know how to do. Um, and so it's good to just like for get somebody sort of on the case making sure that they're actually doing the things that they are bad at because that's going to be the best way to improve your score a hundred percent it's like the personal trainer who has you do that exercise you really don't want to do but darn it it's good for you and it's going to make you stronger mm -hmm. exactly all right what's tip number three i think this goes hand in hand with practicing what's difficult is understanding your mistakes that uh, the most valuable thing uh, or step I believe a student can take in their, their prep process is when they do practice work and then check their answers and they know what they got right and they know what they got wrong, stop and 
dig into the questions you got wrong and try to understand exactly what happened. I, I've encountered many situations where students are just cranking through practice tests. They do a practice test a week. It's, um, it, it's a lot of work. They're putting in a lot of time and energy and they're doing it to see what the score is at the end of the test. But then we miss this really valuable opportunity to dig in and say, what type of mistakes am I making? Are these mistakes I can predict and through being aware of them, better avoid them? Are these concepts I don't understand that I need to learn? Am I, mm-hmm. am I rushing? What is the source of this wrong answer? Because if we can understand it, then we can address it and hopefully avoid it. Um, so it, it goes along with we want to practice what's tough. And when we find that we miss things because they're difficult, that's when we most need to slow down, pay attention and understand exactly what happened so that we can change our results going forward. Yeah. Something I've heard as sort of a, a, a good concept is, is keeping an error log, right? So it's like when you're using an, either like an offline or an online practice test, um, you know, afterwards you should go through and see what you got right or wrong. Uh, and try to identify like what type of error it was, right? Like, did you just make a simple math mistake, which would be called like a careless error? Or did you not know how to answer the problem? In which case, you know, that's something to write down. I need to f- figure out how to do, you know, uh, parallelogram areas or whatever it is. Um, or is it something else, right? Like, did, were you maybe confusing one problem type or another, things like that, right? Like, I think it's very important to have this because also over time you can improve your score sort of thematically or not thematically is not the right word like sort of at an aggregate level by minimizing your mistakes at an aggregate level absolutely and in in many ways it's like it's a statistics game you might say all right i make four careless errors for every questions 50 questions i do can can i get that down to two, 2.5 on average, and that you played out across a couple of tests and it makes a meaningful difference. I would also like to go to bat for uh, the value of interrogating careless errors, right? I'm sure we've all heard students call them stupid mistakes. Oh, that was a stupid mistake. That was a silly mistake. And more often than not, I see these questions happen in the math section. When they're in reading or writing, it's usually a reading issue. Either they didn't read around thoroughly enough or they misread or misinterpreted something. In math, the things that get written off as careless errors are typically either transcription errors, they wrote it down wrong, a distribution error, or a sign error. And I've found that there are situations where we'll see the student might miss two or three questions like this on every single test. And each time it got sort of written off as like, oh yeah, it was just this mistake. And when we actually stop to say, well, wait a minute, what type of problem does this happen on? What are the clues that we can use to know, ooh, I I have to be careful. This is a place where I could make a distribution error so that we don't make those errors. And I mean, that alone can be Mm -hmm. 30 or 40 points on an SAT addressing something like that. Yeah, and that's huge. I mean, people pay tutors just for 30 or 40 points on the SAT. You can get it for free (laughs) just by taking notes. (laughs) It's amazing what that'll do. Yeah. Are there any other error types to watch out for or those kind of main ones? Those tend to be the biggest ones. I mean, in the math section, another common one that gets sort of chalked up as a, as a careless error is when students um, 
I call it the false aha moment. There's oftentimes a, a step where they solve for X, they get an answer, and then they might not realize that they actually have to then do something with it, or there's some additional step. So that's this moment where we're like, mm -hmm. ooh, I did the hard part. And there's actually one or one or two more steps that we need to take. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's the tricky. other one that jumps to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good to know. Um, all right. Number four. So number four is that uh, as, as much as we want to be practicing individual question types, going after what's difficult periodically, we need to take full practice tests. And what that, mm -hmm. what periodically means will be different for each student. But in the course of any student's test preparation process, they should probably be taking at least one test at the very beginning to get a sense of what is this like? Where do I stand? And also to put some numbers on the board that then we can go and build on. Um, and then I would say uh, probably once a month cadence for a lot of students. There are some students who might take more, some who might space them out or backload them a little bit more. Um, but it's really important that throughout our process, we do sometimes sit down, take a full test like the real thing, get a score that we can then compare to our previous results and hopefully see some meaningful progress along the way. Got it. Yeah. I think also, I mean, frankly, it's just like a good check-in, right? Like I think a lot of people just like skip the big check-ins, but I think that it's, it's also like important to get the muscle for taking the full length practice exams and doing them exactly the way that you'll be doing them on the real ACT. The thing is like, or the real, you know, I guess the new digital SAT is a little bit shorter, but like the ACT and the SAT are both kind of three and a half, four hours. And there's two five minute breaks, right? So it's just like you're working solid for four hours and kids don't have to do that very often right now, right? Like in school, you might have a final in one test and that's kind of it, right? It's not until you get to college where you're really kind of hit with like finals week and like lots of them in a small period of time. So four hours to sit down and test is a lot of work and it's also difficult. It's like hard on your brain. And if you do, if you don't have practice with it, just like any other muscle, you know, you'll get to the last section of the ACT or SAT and you'll be like tired. Right. And I think that that's something that you can work on and avoid in for the future. If you uh, get a little bit of like reps in, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, if, if somebody wants to be a good marathoner, there are days when they're going to have to run 26 point tails. You don't have to do it every day. That's not that's not the the only way to build up the endurance to become better at what you're doing, but sometimes you got to practice putting it all together with also the goal being that when the student gets to test day, it's just another SAT. It's just another ACT. This isn't some weird right. unusual experience. You've done this before. You just got to do it again. And this is a good way in to kind of like get ahead of test anxiety, right? Like you just reminded me of that. Um, if you are doing something for the first time and it's high stakes, it can be very nerve wracking. But if you are actually, essentially, like if you're actually um, practiced in it, it shouldn't be as bad, right? Like why is Tom Brady calmer in the Super Bowl than the other guys because he's been there a few times before. Exactly. Exactly. As a as a Boston guy, I really appreciate that analogy. <laughs> Great. All right. And then last but not least, what is the fifth principle for effective test prep? 
as with all things, if you're stuck, ask for help. Students, it, it's, I think the SAT comes at a time when so many things can feel so big and significant and overwhelming and important and stressful in students' lives. It's, it's easy for that to take on a life of its own. And it's important for students to remember, you aren't the first ones to go through this process. You won't be the last and you do not have to go it alone. And there, whether it's working with a private tutor, taking a class, having a, a group of friends that you study with, doing an online class or program, there are a lot of great options, plenty of great free options um, that students can use. But please know that if you are frustrated or challenged or overwhelmed, there is there is help to be had and there's there's not a lot to be gained from just trying to like tough it out and go it alone and just grind through practice test after practice test that's um more than anything you're you're spending a bunch of time that could probably go to better endeavors so find find some help and know that there's no shame in asking for it for sure well great and then any kind of closing thoughts on just like effective preparation for tests in general for the ACT and SAT specifically anything else that you wanted to cover before we wrapped up Yeah I think the other note I would I would just want to share with folks is that you don't have to do it all at once that you can kind of dip into it and out of it that when you're in it you should be in it and what I mean by that is I've seen situations where students say you know what I would rather rather than do like my prep in three months I'd rather space it out over five or six months and sort of chip away at it and the reality is that that student is probably dragging something out as opposed to maybe you do a two two and a half month process prepping for a specific test date take a break catch your breath other things will will call your time and attention and then maybe you come back to the test a couple weeks or months later. Maybe there's a shorter runway up to your second test, but just know that it's not um, it, it's not a path that once you get on it, you you can't sometimes stop and catch your breath um, and then pick right back up. There are situations where students might be a little bit rusty the first time or two they see a question or um, or try to remember a certain formula again, but that is certainly not an overwhelming hurdle. Um, and a lot of times the most strategic thing students can do is prep for test, take a break, come back to it with a fresh set of eyes and also a little bit more maturity and experience. Yeah. And I, I would think, or I would say also, I, I like the way you put it. Like, I don't think you should like prep for three months and then like take three months off or anything like that. Cause you're going to forget things. You kind of forget things after two weeks at like that's my unscientific answer right but you are in it and when you forget things like it's not the end of the world like you said like maybe you're a little rusty and you can go back and practice some more uh and get back get your skills back in in a week or two but it you know the longer you wait the more rusty you get and the more things that you forget and so i think it's important to kind of have that balance where um you're, you know, maybe you're taking a break, but the break shouldn't be so long that you're starting to forget things. Like it should be maybe call it like, you know, like you could take a weekend off, right? If you've been kind of doing it every weekend and you're feeling burned out um, or like a week off, but don't take a ton of time off. Yeah. And I, I think it, it depends too on what a student's strategy is around their testing calendar that we might, might see somebody who's a junior who's getting ready for a March and May SAT 
that's sort of a continuous path from they start in around January, ramp up to the March test, short break after that March test, get right back in there for May. And then once they have the results back, in some cases, that student may circle back for a test in the fall. Um, one of the interesting things it seems to me about the SAT and ACT is that also they come at such a significant time in like students' cognitive development that mm-hmm. s- sometimes that student coming back towards the end of the summer before senior year is in a really different place than they were in the, the spring of their junior year. Um, and in for all the preparation they could do, the time and the maturity that comes with it um, is really the the most important thing that enables them to ultimately hit their goals. Yeah, I think it's just like staying, being consistent over time, I think will get you your best goals or best results. Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Travis Miner from Open Door Education. And Achievable has a great ACT course that you can try for free by going to achievable.me. And if you like it, use the code podcast to get 10% off.